I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared. Something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. The smaller your community is, the more likely it is to rely on one or even just a handful of employers to keep the economy stable. Remote work might be shifting this just slightly, but in general, most of Canada's small towns have a couple of major tenants. It's why we call them factory towns or lumber towns or university towns. So when employers are looking for a place to set up shop, especially if that shop might be a little noisy or disruptive or require some tax breaks, they know that promising a small town a certain number of solid, well-paying jobs is a pretty good way to get the community on board. That's how it's worked basically since industrialization, but sometimes, as is the case in one town in New Brunswick, it stinks. Literally. What happens when a factory moves into town promising the world and then produces a stench so bad it makes people physically gag? When the jobs are fewer than you hoped for and the byproduct of the plant actively drives people away? And when you complain to the city, to the company, to the province about the wretched odor that makes it difficult to go outside, they say, at least at first, what smell? I don't smell anything. Do you? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Lindsay Jones is an Atlantic Canada reporter with The Globe and Mail. Hi, Lindsay. Hello, Jordan. Thank you so much for finding time for us today. Of course. This is a week dedicated to small towns across Canada and some of the issues that they face. Um, So many of our listeners are not familiar with the places we're going. So I'll ask you, uh, just to begin, where is uh, Richie Bucteau, New Brunswick? What's it like there? So Richie New Brunswick, is an Acadian fishing town on the Richie River that is on the Northumberland Strait in New Brunswick. So it's, it's a beautiful area with just gorgeous water views. You, you drive into the town, there's this sidewalk, boardwalk that uh, you can walk all along the water by the main wharf. It's a it's a very sweet little town, uh, though the population's been dwindling and uh, there is a higher than average un- unemployment rate in, in this community uh, compared to the rest of New Brunswick. And most of the time, how does this little town smell? Well, uh, for the last six years, off and on, there has been a company that has moved into what used to be a rum distillery in the town. And there they are drying lobster, crab, and shrimp shells. So this is waste from seafood processing plants that is being trucked into the town. And there it's uh, at this uh, factory called Coastal Shell. The shells are fed into a propane burning dryer. And they use that product to ship to Asia. 
and it's used as fertilizer, pet food, mm. and to make this um, compound called Cheetosan, which is being used in biomedical studies. What does it smell like? So this town smells so bad. So the the plant currently has hours. uh, It can only operate between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. due to concerns about the wretched smell. So I I came to the town in the afternoon. I caught a few little whiffs of a bad smell when the wind blew, but it wasn't until I stayed until after half an hour after the plant started running at night. And I stood in the driveway of Claudette Robichaud. She is a registered nurse. She lives about 400 meters downwind from the plant. And she is one of seven people suing for loss of property value due to the awful smell. I stood in her driveway half an hour after the plant started running. The smell induced my gag reflux immediately. I just started choking and it was like a rotting animal, burning, rotten lobster smell. I had a physical reaction to it. I just could not be outside. Like I was, I had to jump in my car. Just hearing you try to describe that, like hearing you wrestle with your words to try to tell me what the smell is like induces kind of a physical reaction in me because I can I can hear it in your words, you know, how how wretched it must be. Well, I've been trying to block it out of my memory ever since. But this is something the people there live with every day. And it, they're they're <laughs> Like last night, they 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 were dealing with it. They they have to have their windows closed. They can't go outside. Oh. Uh, it, it gets into the air system at the school for the, the the children nearby. There's a seniors' home, and they can't run their air conditioner. They can't open their windows. Wow. They can't go for walks. So you mentioned this plant moved in uh, six years ago. You also mentioned, you know, there's a high unemployment rate. So clearly it's it's something, at least at the time, um, that the community probably needed. What did they know about it in advance? And, and did they know, I guess, what it would smell like when it was running? Well, so these questions are you know, going around in the town. Like, how did this ever happen? How come this company was allowed to move in and do this? And so it was a previous town council that gave the go-ahead for this. And in the company's um, approval to operate from the province, they said there would be no smell and that they had everything in place. And, And so over time, the company has had to scale back on its operating hours. They are being issued three month permits at a time they have till the end of June for the installation of odor control equipment. That's just to install it. It's not even to see if it works or if it changes things. And so people are are just fed up at yeah. that they're having to continue living like this. How are they living? You mentioned uh, a woman named Claudette. Tell me a little bit about like, how does it change your life when 12 hours or more out of every day you're surrounded by stench. Well, it's just really affected people's quality of life. And I, I would say that they've, they're they even saying that it's it's affecting their mental health as well. They say they can't enjoy their properties. It's just always on their mind. If they're going to go out and, and do anything recreationally, like 
mow the lawn or have a few friends over for a barbecue or they, they, they can't do that. They can't have a normal life. How has this been going on for six years and it's only now um, that the company is being asked to install odor protection? Good question. The people in the town have been mobilizing for for several years and uh, they they don't really feel listened to. I mean, those are really good questions for the for politicians. Um, yeah. They might say that they they hadn't heard that this was a problem, but there is a, a very long you know paper trail of letters coming from people in the community. Even last November, uh, a petition was tabled at the legislature to stop the stink. You know, people have been you know asking for someone to step in for this for a very long time. And there is a a public safety investigation going on into the smell in the town. However, it it just keeps continue to to fume out there. What has the company said previously about this? You mentioned um, that they kind of said there wouldn't be an odor when they moved in. Um, How long did it take them to acknowledge that there was a problem? I think in your piece at one point, they just like are straight up, telling the people of this town that there's no odor. Well, yeah, I mean, the term gaslighting comes to mind here when uh, right. so many people are denying that there's a smell. And I mean, it is, smell, yes, can be subjective. And yes, it does depend on which way the wind is blowing. After being in this town for half an hour after the plant started in someone directly affected driveway, I have a hard time believing that people in positions of power don't know about how bad this is for the community. The owners of the company don't live in this community. Mm -hmm. They have said in their statement of defense that there is no smell, which, you know, may be a legal argument they need to make to protect themselves. However, in a statement to the Globe and Mail, they acknowledged the issue and said that they're they want to work with the community and they're doing everything they can to, you know, fix the problem. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. In the big picture, how important is this plant um, and the jobs that it provides to the town? And is there is there a middle ground or is it like you live with this stench or you don't have this plant and these jobs you need? Well, 1,600 people, which is more than the population of the town, have asked the province to shut it down or move it in their petition to stop the stink. People do not want this in their town. The mayor is trying to, you know, find a way to make it work. This plant provides some tax revenue. It's currently providing 26 jobs, which is, you know, a third less than the company said it would uh, employ at the time it was proposing the project. Hmm. People feel like they they do just have to live like this. Yes, that's the unfortunate reality. They, they feel like no one's sticking up for them. 
And you mentioned that the company is was planning by the end of June uh, to install this equipment. Is this stuff that we know works elsewhere, or uh, is it just kind of like, well, well, we'll put it in and we'll see if it's still going? That's a really good question. You know, presumably they've done their research. This is expensive equipment. Uh, last I heard, it was going to cost over a million dollars. So uh, hopefully they've done their research and the people in the town will will be alleviated of this wretched stink. This is a fishing town. People are used to the smell of lobster waste, of, right. of lobster shells in their compost, of fish bait on the wharf. This is not a prissy community where, you know, the people are going to complain about um, just a little bit of sewer smell in the air. This is unbreathable air. Are people leaving the town because of this? Well, there are for sale signs up on quite a few lawns around the plant. People that I've talked to want to leave, but they realize that there's no way they can sell their property right now with with this uh, stench blowing right into their yard. No, Who would buy it? Tell me about the lawsuit. Like, what kind of recourse do these folks have? Um, and what are they asking for? They're asking for money for loss of value for their property. There are seven people named in this lawsuit. They're all people directly affected by the stink. You know, this is this is the only recourse they feel that they have. They've done everything else. They've reached out to the politicians. They've sent letters and they've gone to the legislature. They've spoken to the premier. Nothing has happened. And um, it seems as if, you know, the interests of, of this business are more important than what people are having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. You cover uh, the Atlantic region for the globe. There are lots of small towns that are tied to uh, industries that they need in there. Without talking about the stench, which is obviously probably unique to this situation, how common is this dynamic where there's kind of one large plant or industry or whatever in the town that there's almost a symbiotic relationship with just because of the way the economy works and the size of the town and and shrinking populations and all that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we see similar dynamics happening where companies want to open open pen fishing uh, aquaculture. People in those communities see a big company moving in. There's a, you know, there's a very uh, small number of companies in the world that operate aquaculture and particularly salmon aquaculture. Mm-hmm. And people don't want the, these companies moving in and putting fish waste um, into their pristine ocean com- side communities. You know, there is a there is definitely that dynamic in Atlantic Canada of small towns trying to fight against an industry moving in at, and, you know, trying to protect the pristine ocean environment from the waste of companies. And I guess right now in Rishibaktu, all there is to do is wait and see if this technology works and the smell goes away. How hopeful are people? I mean, it's been six years. How hopeful are people that this will work? People have lost hope there. Um, They are still mobilizing and planning. They're not just waiting for this to see if this will make a difference. There are there are people who are, you know, actively still fighting and like 
how can they do any different? This is this is every day they still have to smell that stink. Hmm. And they don't trust the company because it has been so many years and nothing has worked. And so it seems as if the politicians are, are giving this company a lot of chances uh, to, to clean it up. Mm-hmm. You know, this they, they've been given an extension now to the end of June to have this uh, equipment installed. So, you know, giving an extension basically means that that's a longer amount of time that the people will have to keep smelling the stink. Who makes the call on if it's worked well enough or not? Maybe it mitigates some of the odor, but it still stinks. Like, who makes the call and what happens? Well, there isn't a way to measure stink. Right. The province has uh, a report that the company has provided by a third party measuring the emissions. So I'm trying to get a copy of that report to look at myself. And they, the province says that the emissions are not harmful and that they, you know, they, they are not uh, breaking any part of their agreement with the results of those of that report. But not harmful just means like it's it's not giving you cancer or whatever. It doesn't mean it's not like completely making you gag, right? Like there's a difference between, to your point, like you can't measure a smell. You can measure particles that might do damage. But, you know, how, how do you how do you make sure that it's not uh, unlivable? That's a good question. I mean, I guess the people of the town are going to continue to be guinea pigs for this company. Man, Lindsay, thank you so much for this. It's a fascinating story. It's a sad story. I hope I hope the odor mitigation measures work, I guess. Me too. I really hope so too. Lindsay Jones, writing in the Globe and Mail. That was the big story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca and as always, you can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. If you want to suggest a story, and you can suggest a small town story beyond this week, but we love to hear about them, you can find us at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca, or you can call us on the phone and leave a voicemail 416-935-5935. You can find The Big Story in every single podcast player, and if you use smart speakers, just ask it to play The Big Story Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.